There are now Strong Opinion Sports sweatshirts for sale. Oh, yeah, by the way, there's also now a permanent Strong Opinion Sports store. And to celebrate the opening of the store, I'm starting it with a sale. Currently, there are four items for sale, a pullover hoodie, a zip-up hoodie, a performance t-shirt, and a premium cotton t-shirt. All four are for sale at a reduced price right now. If you order by December 1st, everything is cheaper and everything is guaranteed to ship to you by Christmas. The pullover hoodie is $35 on sale. At the end of the month, when the sale ends, it will be $40. The zip-up hoodie is $40 now. When the sale ends, it will be $45. The performance-style t-shirt is $25 now. After December 1st, it will be $30. And the premium cotton blend t-shirt is $20 on sale right now. And after the sale, it will be $25. Again, everything is on sale now until the end of November. And if you order by December 1st, I can guarantee you will get your stuff by Christmas. Follow the link in the description or go to shirtsforyourpeople.com and find the Strong Opinion Sports tab. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 309. I hope you're having a great day. Uh, thank you for tuning in, by the way. I really do appreciate it. Um, today, we're going to talk about Matt Patricia. Some news happened with him. The Lions fired their head coach. We're going to talk about Thanksgiving. Uh, there were two games on Thanksgiving. We're going to talk about the Buccaneers a little bit because I I don't know if that's the right way to put it to say that I finally figured out the Buccaneers, but I, I feel like I finally have come to an answer that I feel good about regarding the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, we'll talk about Tua. We'll finish the show with some NFL Week 12 predictions. Actually, it's not even true. We're actually going to end the show with Ask Zach. A lot of questions from you guys. It's a Thanksgiving-centric Ask Zach uh, segment, and it'll be really fun. We'll talk about, oh my gosh, just a lot of stuff. I even have a pseudo, somewhat, sort of guest appearance from a former professor of mine. Uh, really, really fun stuff. I'm very excited. I want to start with this, though. The Lions have fired their head coach, Matt Patricia. Uh, they also fired their general manager, Bob Quinn. And uh, it makes sense. I, I look at it and go, yeah, like I understand. It's, they really haven't done very well. They haven't been very competitive. Uh, the Lions ownership just wanted this year to see if they could make a push at the playoffs. If they made the playoffs, I felt like they were going to get another year because they didn't. They're now out. It's just like, ah, I get why. The, the losing to the Texans on Thanksgiving was the last draw. On Saturday morning, it was announced they have fired the general manager and the head coach. And um, here's all I ask, please. Um, I, I am really, I'm begging the Lions ownership at this point. Please move Matt, Matthew Stafford. Please trade him. Please, uh, I, it doesn't make sense to release him. Trade Matthew Stafford. That's all I'm asking. Please. Uh, the Lions have rebuilt around Matthew Stafford, not once, not twice, but three different times. And I just, why do it a fourth time? You're gonna you're gonna rebuild around Matthew Stafford for a fourth time during his career. I I it's it's horrible. It's sad. Uh, please trade Matthew Stafford, draft a young quarterback, and get a new head coach in there. Uh, but I don't think you do any justice to Matthew Stafford by trying to rebuild around him again. It's just I want to see Matthew Stafford have somewhat of a positive end to his career. And I I just it's been such a disappointing set of years for Matthew Stafford. I go man, please please trade him away. Get him in a different situation. You, you've tried it so many different times to build around him, to bring new coaches in, and I, I just don't see why 
Why is it going to be different this time? I, I don't, I don't re-understand why the Lions think if we keep Matthew Stafford, we get a new head coach. This is the time. Everything's going to change and be different. You have a good quarterback who has been just had years and years of his career wasted, and it's disappointing to me. Now, the number one reason why Matt Patricia failed as the head coach of the Lions was he was inauthentic. He wasn't himself. Uh, he tried to be something, rather tried to be someone. That he wasn't. Uh, I remember he came from New England. He was uh, a understudy under Bill Belichick. In fact, he was Bill Belichick's defensive coordinator. The problem is he tried to copy Bill Belichick. He was not doing his own thing. He didn't have the resume to get away with pretending to be Bill Belichick. Because Bill Belichick's style only works for one person. Bill Belichick. You can't... He's got a cold demeanor. He's very harsh. He's... His style, his personality only works if you have won a lot in the past and can prove it. I mean, Bill Belichick's kind of a unique thing. You can't duplicate and copy Bill Belichick. It doesn't work. It's never worked. We've seen lots of people leave New England, try to be head coach, and fail because they tried to do it Bill's way, and it didn't work. Now, there is another New England protege who is working in the NFL. In fact, he even did the same role Matt Patricia did in New England. He replaced Matt Patricia. Ryan Flores, after Matt Patricia left, he was the once the defensive coordinator in New England. After he left, Brian Flores stepped in for a couple years. He was a defensive coordinator in New England. And now, Brian Flores left New England. He's in Miami as a head coach. And why is he working where Matt Patricia, another understudy under Bill Belichick, did not work? Why? Because... Brian Flores took the lessons he learned from Bill Belichick. Hey, a lot of, I mean, Bill Belichick's a genius. A lot of good stuff you can learn from that guy about life, about football, about everything, I'm sure. I mean, he's very, very intelligent. But he took the lessons he learned, Brian Flores did, and put his own twist on them. He put his own spin on them. Matt Patricia tried too hard to be an exact copy of Bill Belichick, where Brian Flores said, I'm going to take the lessons and do my own thing. And people respond to that. People respond to authenticity. They do not respond to inauthenticity. And when Matt Patricia was cold to players and was not personable, it didn't work. People didn't like him. He lost games and he got fired. And that is why Matt Patricia got fired. Instead of doing his own thing, taking the lessons he learned, putting his own spin on it, being original, he tried too hard to almost identically copy Bill Belichick and it didn't work. And that's why Matt Patricia was fired by the Lions. Okay, um, I don't know that this is the right way to put it, but it is. It is. I think it is the right way to put it. I, I found an answer for myself I like. I feel like I finally figured out the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Because I, I keep getting so many messages from all kinds of people saying, what's wrong with the Buccaneers? Why are the Buccaneers so terrible? What's going on? A lot of people have completely bailed on the possibility of Tom Brady ever succeeding in Tampa Bay. I, I, like a lot of people are saying, it's never going to work. It's terrible. Fire the coach. Fire this. Fire that. I, I feel like I've finally come to a conclusion I feel good about. I, I figured out an answer that I, I like, and I, I go, yeah, that makes sense to me. And it's actually an, embar an embarrassingly simple answer. When you look and go, oh, I mean, uh, uh, of course that's why the Buccaneers are, have been really inconsistent and up and down. Here's why. It's year one. It's the first year of Tom Brady in Tampa Bay trying to change the culture. 
Most of these guys are learning how to win, learning what that process looks like, what preparation you have to do, what kind of work ethic you have to have, what habits you have to have. The Buccaneers' biggest problem right now is the little details. It's a missed assignment here or a blown coverage there or running the wrong route or having a drop or penalties. All the mistakes going on in Tampa Bay right now are fixable, and it, but it's going to take time. They're going through the process of changing the culture in Tampa Bay. Here's a crazy thing. I didn't really understand the magnitude of bringing Tom Brady into Tampa Bay until I realized this. Tampa Bay has only had two winning seasons in the last 10 years. Oh my gosh. In 2010, they went 10 and 6. And in 2016, they went 9 and 7. Every other year, every other season for the last 10 years, the Buccaneers have had a losing record. Mike Evans is their star receiver. He's 27 years old. This is his seventh year in the NFL. Mike Evans has only had one winning season in his entire career. There are habits. There are things you have to learn. Learning how to win together is a real thing. That, in my opinion, is what's going on in Tampa Bay. So I'm still in on the Buccaneers, but I'm in on them next year. I'm not, I'm not really confident the Buccaneers can beat a team like the Chiefs or make a Super Bowl run or win a lot of playoffs games this year. But next year, it's a whole new year, another year together, another year of a team learning how to play together. I mean, the Buccaneers have the pieces required to win games. They've got a ton of talent, both on offense and on defense. They've got a good quarterback, Tom Brady, good coaching on offense and on defense, in my opinion. But they're going through growing pains. Not to mention, by the way, they've been dealing with COVID. COVID, this whole year, has been, I mean, <laughs> like the, the Ravens are about to play a game potentially without their starting quarterback, Lamar Jackson. There's been so much inconsistency this year that, of course, a quarterback like Tom Brady, who relies on consistency, has had a problem. Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, two people who for years and years played together, worked together, and, and coaching, you know, coaching quarterback, they were together for years. They became dependent on reliability and consistency. COVID-19, this has made it the most unpredictable, unreliable year of all time. It's crazy how many things in and out and players available, not available, practice, no practice. It's insane. And so that, in my opinion, the, they're learning how to win. They're dealing with COVID. It's only year one. That is why, in my opinion, it feels like the Buccaneers have been underachieving. They're 7-4. and four. They're probably 7-5 and five after losing to the Buccaneers. But they're still learning how to win together. By the way, if it goes wrong, if, if things do not work out in Tampa Bay, here's, in my opinion, why it might not work out. It, here's what gives me pause in Tampa Bay. When I look at Tampa and I go, that's the one thing that I still go, mm, is it going to work? Is it not? It's coaching quarterback. Do Bruce Arians and Tom Brady fit together? Uh, first of all, Tom Brady has been throwing some, some questionable interceptions where I go, Tom, is that your best decision? Is that your best read? Is that, is that really your best as a quarterback? And I'm sure, how about, how about the maybe less strong? How about maybe Bill Belichick, or <laughs> I can't even... The coach and the quarterback, they're forever linked to Matt. Maybe Bruce Arians, the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, looks at Tom Brady and some of the mistakes he's made this year and goes, I mean, maybe he goes, what? You're supposed to be Tom Brady. You're, you're making that boneheaded throw? How, how can that be? 
Maybe Bruce Arians is a bit disappointed with Tom Brady. I don't think so because day-to-day in practice, I'm sure he's pushing people. And I'm, Bruce Arians sees Tom Brady every single day, not just on Sunday. And so I think Bruce Arians is probably completely satisfied with Tom Brady because it's not just how he plays on Sunday. It's the leadership behind the scenes, in the film room, at practice, all that stuff. But here's another factor. Bruce Arians is very laid back as a head coach. And when he was in Arizona, he was known for letting coaches and really making sure coaches went to see their family. There's no sleeping at the office. There's no, he's more laid back. He's more relaxed. He's not, uh, he encourages downtime, I guess. Whereas Tom Brady is a grinder. Bruce Arians picks his time and place when to grind, when to relax and go home. Tom Brady doesn't ever seem to have a time to relax. He's always grinding, 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 watching film, preparing, studying. And it's possible that their personalities don't match. I I don't know. We'll see. It's possible that the attitude, the style, the work ethic, whatever you want to call it, the approach of Bruce Arians, it's possible it just doesn't work with Tom Brady. I don't know. I, I don't... It's a speculation. It's a total, it's, uh, it's flimsy at best. I don't, I don't really, I'm just saying what I, what I remember from Arizona was a guy who said, hey, don't sleep at the office. Go see your family. Go relax. That's what Bruce Arians' attitude was. So there's a time for work, and then there's a time you go home. Tom Brady's never seemed like the kind of guy who's like, yeah, let's relax. <laughs> I mean, I, he's a grinder. He works his butt off. And so it's possible, again, the personalities may not match in Tampa Bay. But again, in spite of all that, I, I'm confident that Tampa Bay, again, they've got great players, offensive defense. They've got a good coach, offensive defense. They've got a good quarterback. My belief is at some point, it's going to pop in Tampa Bay. They're going to figure it out. But right now, they're going through growing pains, still learning how to win. Okay, uh, last week against the Denver Broncos, the Dolphins took out their rookie quarterback, Tua Tungvaloa. Uh, They were down 10 points with just over like 10 minutes and like 14 seconds left in the fourth quarter. And uh, they took out Tua Tungvaloa. They said, Tua, we're going to take you out of the game. They put in Ryan Fitzpatrick. And uh, I've got a lot of messages about this. People saying, mainly asking kind of why did it happen? And then other people asking, is Tua been benched? Is he not the quarterback anymore in Miami? Um, And so, no, first of all, Tua has not been benched in Miami. Still the starting quarterback moving forward. Um, but watching the game, I was actually under the impression that, I mean, look, I, I walked away from this moment going, man, Miami deserves a lot of credit for what they did because it felt like they did it to protect Tua. They took Tua out of the game to protect him. And I, I actually loved the move because I thought it took guts to take out your young rookie quarterback, put in a veteran, because the perception from the outside is, oh, no. You're benching your rookie quarterback? Oh, my gosh. That's why I took guts, in my opinion, because of the, the optics of it. But it was the right move. And here's why I think Miami deserves credit. Tua had been sacked six times. We just saw Joe Burrow get hurt. Getting, he's getting hit a ton all year. Finally, Joe Burrow couldn't handle anymore. Shredded his knee all up. And with the context of Joe Burrow getting injured, a quarterback getting hit a ton, and also remembering, oh, yeah, Tua got hurt in college against Mississippi State where he dislocated his left, uh, right or left, one of his legs, like was just dislocated. His hip was dislocated, which is terrifying. And when you have a young rookie quarterback, pressure getting home all day, they're getting a bunch of sacks. At times, Tua was holding onto the ball too long. I don't see what would have been productive with leaving Tua in the game. 
You're down 10 points, 10 minutes left. Your quarterback's getting the tar beat out of him. He's having a bad day. He's getting beat up. You have to protect your young rookie quarterback sometimes. I'm glad they did. They took him out of the game. Um, That's what the Dolphins did. Credit to them. I actually walked away from that going, man, Miami is not going to get a lot of credit for this move, but they deserve credit because they're protecting their young quarterback, their best asset. That's what you have to do. If you have an incredible franchise quarterback, protect him at all costs, even if you have to make a move a little bit outside the box. Remember, the Dolphins play the Jets next week. Um, Tua is questionable. I don't know whether he's going to play or not. He had a thumb injury in practice. We'll see. I think Tua does play. But wouldn't you rather, if you're coming off a bad game, what better team to play in the entire NFL than the the New York Jets? If you had a bad game last week and you need to reset and have a better game this week, the one team I would most want to play in the entire NFL is the New York Jets. That's who the Dolphins play this week. I feel very good. I'm totally fine and relaxed about Tua. Okay, um, the Ravens and the Steelers. Oh, boy. So they were supposed to play on Thanksgiving. Uh, then COVID outbreaks happened, and the game got moved to Monday. Then more COVID happened. More positive tests came to light. Uh, and the game is now scheduled for not Monday and not Thursday, but now Tuesday. And I am begging the NFL, please move this game. Please do not let the Steelers play the Ravens on Tuesday. I I know it's silly. Like, why would you ask that? Uh, currently, as it stands, the Ravens are going to be playing not only with a bunch of their players out with COVID and all kinds of stuff. I mean... The COVID protocols mean that the Ravens are going to be basically playing with a bunch of guys off the street when they play the Pittsburgh Steelers on Tuesday. They're also not going to have their starting quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Uh, Now, the Steelers have some players on the COVID reserve list as well, but the Ravens have been hit very, very hard. And uh, what's sad is this was going to be a really great game. And so I would rather play it later uh, when both teams can have all their players. It's going to be a real interesting matchup. Because nobody wants to watch backups. I don't want to watch the Steelers decimate a practice squad group of guys for the Ravens. And you can't cancel or forfeit the game because I mean, financially, what do you do? I mean, it would it's really confusing financially because you need you really you need the revenue. But also, how do you pay people that didn't play in a game? Like, what do you do there? What happens to the game checks? Who gets money? Who doesn't? And people want the Ravens to forfeit because they had a bunch of guys who are are they're most decimated by COVID in this game. They also had a, somebody who appeared to really break heavily break protocols. Um, but again, I don't think you can forfeit. It's just, you need the game to be played for revenue for how to distribute the revenue. And then also you need the revenue from the game. The NFL, you don't want to miss out on one of the games worth of revenue. It doesn't make any sense. So my proposal, my thought is let's add not one, but two weeks to the NFL season because you need one for this game. And then also, why not just add an extra week, a buffer, in case other stuff goes wrong? It can't hurt to leave your options open in case more COVID happens and more things go wrong. Remember, winter's coming quite literally. COVID's supposed to get worse when you're inside during the cold. Uh, and I, I just, I think the NFL should play it safe here at another week, move the game. I also, again, I, I am pleading people. I don't want to watch the Steelers play a really bad, banged up Ravens. It just, it was going to be a good game. The Ravens are interesting. This The Steelers are undefeated. Like, please, I want a good game here. I don't want an easy win by the Steelers. It's not fun to watch. Now, Pittsburgh fans 
are really, really mad. They're like, ah, it's unfair. It's unfair. The NFL hates us. It's all this, oh, my, the NFL's out to get us. That's what I'm hearing from Pittsburgh a lot right now. And no, uh, nobody's out to get you. I think it's actually a good life lesson where sometimes stuff just goes wrong. Sometimes there are things you cannot control uh, that are, and, and often actually, often things that are out of your control go wrong. And life is not fair. But let me tell you, my brother uh, died four years ago. Was that fair? I mean, that's an extreme example. But so many times things happen outside of your control that you, you have nothing to do with. It wasn't your fault. You didn't ask for it. You're, you're the victim. But how do you handle that? How do you deal with that moment? That's what's really important here. Um, and I, I think Pittsburgh needs to kind of wake up and realize, hey, you got to learn how to deal with it. Because rather than seeking blame or you know having a conspiracy that someone's out to get you, like, oh, we're undefeated. They, they just want to take us out or they want to screw us over. I understand. Pittsburgh's mad. They lost their bye week. They had a couple of games moved. I, I understand why everybody, players, coaches, fans, I understand why Pittsburgh is frustrated. But I think it was an unavoidable occurrence. I mean, again, there are times where things happen you can't control that go wrong, and it hurts you. Doesn't make it fair. It's not fair, but that's also life. And so I think people need to realize, hey, rather than seeking blame, deal with it, do the best you can, handle whatever situation comes your way the best you possibly can, and nobody's out to get you. In fact, I think, I, I personally, if the Steelers go undefeated, oh my, I would love that. It'd be awesome. In fact, how cool would it be if the Steelers really did what the Patriots could not do a couple years ago, go 19-0? and It'd be unbelievable. They got nine games left to go. I don't think they will. Um, it's just too hard, but I, I would love it if they did. If the Steelers went undefeated, won 19 games in a row, won the Super Bowl, I'd love that. No one's out to get Pittsburgh, but remember, don't seek blame. Deal with the situation you're dealt and no one's out to get you. Uh, all right. I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we'll talk about the Thanksgiving games, Deshaun Watson, uh, the Lions, that mess. We'll talk about, uh, Washington. They smacked Dallas. Uh, then we'll take a break. When we come back from that break, we'll do NFL Week 12 predictions for this coming weekend. And then later, we'll do some Ask Zach questions. Should be really, really fun. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Hope you're doing very, very well. Let's jump in. Let's talk about the couple Thanksgiving games. Um, on Thursday, I guess Thanksgiving, the Texans beat the Lions 41-25. to and uh, my number one takeaway from this game really is that I think most people have no idea just how good Deshaun Watson's playing right now. Uh, his team is four and seven, so I think a lot of people forget, oh yeah, Deshaun Watson is incredible, playing at a high level. It's easy to forget about him. Uh, but man, Deshaun is a special quarterback. And, you know, he had four touchdowns against the Lions, had a lot of great throws, and he's doing so many things at a high level right now with great anticipation or playing well in a messy pocket with bodies around him and around his feet, moving defenders with his eyes, moving them right, throwing left, or, you know, he's been highly accurate, especially down the sidelines. He's got a throw against the Patriots from two weeks ago. I went, I put it on my Instagram story last night. I went, oh my gosh, that's just an incredibly unbelievable throw. And uh, I've said this before, but I do think it's worth repeating, so I'll say it again. One of the most impressive things that Deshaun Watson is doing this year is that he's not adding to his team's problems with his play. 
You know, Houston is a gigantic mess right now all around Deshaun Watson. They got, you know, they can't run the ball. They their defense is giving up a ton of yards. Their receivers are dropping passes. They're I mean, they traded away their best receiver, DeAndre Hopkins. They fired their head coach. They're using a interim head coach. They have got offensive line problems. And while Houston is a mess all around him, Deshaun Watson has not added to their problems at all. And when you compare a guy like Carson Wentz in Philadelphia with Deshaun Watson, I mean, Carson Wentz is also in a really bad, messy situation. But as the Eagles have fallen apart, so too has Carson Wentz. His habits, his decision-making, it's declined. It's gotten worse and worse and worse. Now, in contrast, Deshaun Watson has done the impressive task of playing well and being disciplined in spite of the mess around him. It's really, really impressive to me. No one talks about how hard it is to make good decisions and not force throws and be patient and do the right thing and have good habits when your team is imploding around you. Deshaun Watson's done a great job at that. And uh, look, Deshaun Watson, in my opinion, and I don't, he's an elite quarterback. I've been saying this for a long time. I've been on the Deshaun Watson train for a while. He's an elite quarterback. He's playing at the top level of the NFL. And uh, he deserves a ton of credit. Because he's playing at a super high level, again, in spite of everything against him going wrong in Houston. Now, the Lions. Oh, boy. Um, Boy, where do I start with the Lions? I walked away from Thanksgiving Day, reminded once again just of how steadily mediocre the Detroit Lions are. It's kind of impressive, actually, how consistently mediocre they are. And why is that? Why is it that they are so mediocre in Detroit? And the reason why they've actually been so, I mean, mediocre is a high level in my opinion for Detroit because Matthew Stafford has been saving them from being awful for years and years and years. Matthew Stafford's the reason why they're mediocre and not terrible. You got to give credit to Matthew Stafford. They were 0-16 before they drafted Matthew Stafford. And they've been mediocre ever since. Yeah, and I'm using that word a lot. Take a drink every time I say it. I don't really care. Um, But imagine if Detroit had not had Matthew Stafford. Take a minute. Just think about the last couple years. Especially if you're a Detroit fan who follows them very closely. Imagine if they hadn't had Matthew Stafford. I mean, Matthew Stafford's career makes me very, very sad. Because really, it's just a bunch of... I mean, it's, it's, been a, it's a shame. It's been wasted. It's a bunch of talent. Matthew Stafford's talent has been wasted in Detroit. And this is why I tell people, I say this all the time on Instagram DMs, uh, on my Instagram story, on the show, in face-to-face conversations. All the time, I tell people, you want to work for a good company. Work for a company that's well-run. Because, man, honestly, and, and look, this is another thing you can learn from the NFL. In the NFL, you do not want to be a number one overall pick. You're set up for failure. You have to overcome the fact that you were a number one overall pick. People go, woo, number one overall pick. No, that road's very hard. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I would rather personally go play for a good team, have help, have good teammates, have a good coach. Wouldn't you want that? And Matthew Stafford, for most of his career, has not had any of those things. And being a number one overall pick, you so rarely have a good career. I mean, I already, I already feel bad for Trevor Lawrence is going to probably go to the Jets. And, God, it's a tough journey ahead for Trevor Lawrence after uh, being drafted number one overall. Now, here's another thing. Matthew Stafford's only been to the playoffs three times in his entire career. And, actually, I walk away from that going, he's been to the playoffs 
playoffs three times. That's kind of impressive. I mean, he really got them to the playoffs not once, not twice, but three times. Now, they lost every single time, but it's still rather impressive in my opinion. Now, it is sad, too, that when he finally got a decent coach, in my opinion, Jim Caldwell, uh, the Lions were in a hurry to fire him. I don't know why. I've never understood Jim Caldwell being fired from Detroit, but it was like they shot themselves. They got a good coach, and they fired him. They, they let him walk away. I'm like, what are you doing, Detroit? I, I've never understood Detroit. Um, I mean, right as they were making progress, Jim Caldwell got canned because they didn't make the playoffs that year. What kind of stupid? Do you not realize who you are? You have no self-awareness to understand you're the Lions, and you should be grateful for any kind of good coach that comes your way. Um, and it makes me think, all this stuff makes me think of Joe Burrow, where Matthew Stafford has kind of laid out the blueprint to how Joe Burrow's career is going to go, where he's likely going to be likely to be, have a massive underachievement in his career, where it's going to be a result of the bad organization around a massive underachievement because of all the problems around him. It sounds like Matthew Stafford, and it also sounds like the future for Joe Burrow. I don't like that, but that's the reality. It makes me very, very sad that I, I, anybody who has to work for bad ownership and for a, a poorly run organization, feel bad for them. Now, if you can control it, which some people have control, avoid it at all. All costs. Fight tooth and nail. Fight very, very hard to not work for a crappy organization because crappy organizations give you crappy results most of the time. And look, no matter what, do you want a harder road? I, I would rather work for a good company with good co-workers and good people around me. And I, I've never understood people that say, well, isn't there some something to being a hero and going to be number one overall pick? No, there's not. <laughs> You're just making your life more difficult. I'd rather win, succeed, enjoy my life, have a good coach. I, I just, anything you can do to get ahead and m make your life easier, do it. Because, oh my gosh, um, I, I just have never understood people that go work for bad companies or for bad teams or take a bad coaching job. Uh, unless it's your only option, literally there's no other option, go find a better option. Go find a better team, a better organization, a better company, whatever it is. Do not work for a crappy organization. I've never understood it and it uh, makes very little sense to me. Now, again, to clarify, if you can avoid it. If you can avoid it, don't do it. Okay, um, also during this game, by the way, on Thanksgiving, J.J. Watt tipped a pass to himself. I guess, really, he just grabbed the pass out of the air, got an interception, uh, took it for a pick six. Makes me wonder watching J.J. Watt. Does J.J. Watt practice that? Does J.J. Watt, you know, put a jugs machine up, like, 10 feet in the air, about the, you know, nine, whatever it is, where... The, the height of a quarterback's arm releasing the ball. Does he stand like five feet away from that same jugs machine and just jump and grab passes out of the air? Does he practice that? I, I really, I wonder. Because um, J.J. Watt is so good at tipping the ball at the line of scrimmage or grabbing interceptions or tipping it to himself and catching an interception. I just walked away from that game going, man, J.J. Watt does that all the time. Is that something he practices? He must, right? Because um, he's so, so good at tipping balls and grabbing interceptions at the line of scrimmage. Okay. Um, the second game on Thanksgiving, Washington beat the Cowboys 41-16. to And uh, the first half of this game was actually competitive and interesting. Uh, Washington was only up 17-13 to at halftime. And boy, did that change quite quickly. Um, now, both in the first half and the second half, 
Dallas handed, just gave two free touchdowns to Washington. Drove me nuts watching. Uh, in the first half, Dallas went for it on fourth and one from their own 34-yard line. And I was watching going, that's weird. I don't understand that. So Dallas got stopped on fourth and one. They also had a 15-yard penalty. So that gave Washington the ball first and 10 at the 19-yard line going in. Ridiculous. And it led to a touchdown. It gave the Washington team a 17-10 to lead. I just went, that's stupid. It's a bad coaching decision. You handed the other team points and great field position. Now, I don't understand why Washington in this, or why the Cowboys, excuse me, why Dallas in this game, why did Dallas insist on going for it repeatedly on fourth down? I'll never understand, especially deep in their own territory. Like, what are you doing? It was baffling to me. Now, the second mistake was even worse. It was a fourth and 10, fourth and 10, not fourth and one, 10 yards to go to get the first down. The Cowboys were on their own 24-yard line. I'm not a Cowboys fan. I don't give a single anything about the Cowboys. I don't care. And I I watched going, I I hate the Cowboys. I have frustration. I have anger. I can only imagine how a Cowboys fan from Dallas or who really roots that team every week, I can't imagine how they feel watching this game where they're losing 20-16. to They're down four points, 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter, fourth and 10 on their own 24-yard line, deep in their own territory. And they were in a fake punt. They tried to run like an end around, got stuffed. They lost one yard on the play. It gave Washington first and 10 at the 23-yard line going in, set up on the very next play. Antonio Gibson ran for a long touchdown, 23 yards. Another moment where I'm like, what are you doing? What is happening? It's just a bad coaching decision. I'm like, what? Who is making these decisions in Dallas? I don't understand. Dallas handed Washington two touchdowns with bad coaching decisions. And I, I watched this game not once, but twice, which is, I don't know why I did that, but I did. Um, I was watching during Thanksgiving at my best friend's house. And I, I was like half watching. So I felt guilty. I'm like, I got to rewatch this game to really get the gist of it, understand what happened. And, uh, you know, I, I rewatched it on Black Friday with detailed notes. But the first time I watched this Thursday night game, uh, you know, the, the Lions, uh, what am I saying? The, the Cowboys in Washington. I was in the middle of a conversation. TV's kind of off to the right. I'm talking to somebody, and it caught my eye, and I went, I literally stood up and went, what are the blank are they doing? Like, what is happening in Dallas? I completely forgot about my conversation. I was just lost in the moment. Like, what kind of decision was that? And to, the fact that it happened not once, but I rewatched and thought it happened again a second time earlier in the game, I went, oh, my. It's terrible. What's happening in Dallas it's bad coaching decisions over and over and over again. I just don't understand. Uh, Dallas found a way to beat the Vikings. I would say that's because the Vikings had too many turnovers to win that game. Um, I just, it wasn't, I, I just, the coaching in Dallas is bothering me. I, I, it's not good. Not to mention Ezekiel Elliott had another fumble. Uh, he's now had five lost fumbles this year. That's the most he's ever had in a season by a lot. And I guess really, aren't you glad you paid him, Dallas? Aren't you really glad you paid Ezekiel Elliott? A ton of money. Because Ezekiel Elliott, man, you guys are a bad football team. But he really, Ezekiel, the running back's making the difference. He's carrying the team, isn't he? Oh, he's not? Oh, you paid him a ton of money and he's bad? Oh, 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 that, that sucks. Yeah, don't pay running backs. I, I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Do not pay running backs. No matter how great they are, they're not worth the money. I don't understand why people keep doing it. By the way, Washington's running back, a rookie. Antonio Gibson, a rookie, third-round pick out of Memphis. He had 20 carries for 115 yards and three touchdowns. Oh, 
The guy who's paid like nothing because he's a rookie who makes way... Compare the salary of Ezekiel Elliott to Antonio Gibson. I don't know the number. I don't really care. It's a rookie contract against a inflated contract, <laughs> to say the least. Antonio Gibson had a way better day. And I, I get Dallas defense is terrible against the run. But they just my point's beginning proven over and over and over again. Do not pay a running back after their rookie contract. Go draft another guy. Get him in the second, third. Maybe the, I wouldn't draft a first round running back. They're good in the second or third round as well. I mean, James Robinson in Jacksonville was an undrafted free agent rookie running back playing phenomenal. He's our starting running back. He he made Leonard Fournette no longer have a job. He was so good. So I don't, man, I, I don't understand why you would ever pay a running back again. And Ezekiel Elliott is kind of the prime example right now of a guy got paid and it's not working. Like, ugh. the only guy, I understand paying Derrick Henry because um, he's literally their entire offense. Um, Dalvin Cook is like, yeah, he's the entire offense in Minnesota. Is it really making a difference, though? Is Dalvin Cook really helping them? With, like, people are saying, you got to pay Dalvin Cook because he's in the, high, in the entire offense in Minnesota. Yeah, he's the entire offense, and it's not working. They have a bad record. They're losing games. So, okay, like, you keep arguing that. I don't understand. And and even Tennessee didn't pay Derrick Henry what he wanted. They gave him a contract that was good enough to make him say yes, but not really the money he wanted because he wasn't going to get the money he wanted. I just, I'm rambling now. Oh, it drives me nuts. Don't pay running backs. Um, you have Alex Smith. Alex Smith was playing on Thanksgiving. Uh, man, he is really the favorite right now. I give out the SOS awards. He's going to probably win the story of the year. Him, really, or his coach, actually, Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera going through cancer. Alex Smith coming back from this horrific leg injury. He's playing so well. And as time has gone on, Alex Smith has gotten better throughout the year. Um, where early on, Alex Smith did not look comfortable at all in the pocket. And, and I can't blame him. Coming off that horrific knee injury, when you have bodies around you, especially around your legs, it's uncomfortable. I, I've played quarterback before. I played in college. I get the feeling. Uh, and Alex Smith is looking more and more comfortable in the pocket with bodies around him and around his feet. Um, and I also think it's interesting. I really want to give credit to Alex Smith because... I think Jared Goff pointed this out. The Rams quarterback at one point said, you know, Alex Smith has made so much money. Remember, he was a number one overall pick in 2005. He had like a $49 million contract day one guaranteed. I mean, Alex Smith made, I think he made like 95, 96, 94 million dollars in his entire NFL career. Alex Smith does not need the money to play in the NFL. Why is Alex Smith playing right now? Oh, it's because he loves football. And you can tell. Watch the guy play. Alex Smith is there because he cares. He's passionate. He loves football. And uh, I, I look around. I also want to give credit. I was never going to talk about Dwayne Haskins ever again. But credit to Dwayne Haskins. The Was the first-round draft pick. Got benched. Got moved to third string. Now he's the backup right now in Washington. You watch, watch when Washington makes a big play. You know who's celebrating on the sideline? Who's there, engaged, pumped up, paying attention? Dwayne Haskins, and that's new because a couple weeks ago, Dwayne Haskins was sulking and upset and wimpy on the sideline. Oh, lose me spot, I'm sad. Oh. And something clicked for Dwayne Haskins where he realized, I got to stop feeling sorry for myself. He got over it. He's engaged. He's paying attention. He's using his role right now is to be energy on the sideline. Dwayne Haskins is doing that very, very well. Credit him. It looks like his attitude changed. And I get it. Like He was grieving the loss of being benched. He was grieving the loss of losing his job but once he got over that he's figured out Dwayne Haskins is back he's engaged I'm really happy to say that um and good for Washington now 
Washington really has some solid players. They have Antonio Gibson at running back, Terry McLaurin at uh, receiver. They've got Logan Thomas, this tight end I really, really like. Uh, they got a great defensive line. Montez Sweat had a great game. Uh, so did Chase Young. Montez Sweat had a pick six. Uh, Chase Young had, uh, what did he have, a big tackle for loss. He had a sack. I, I really am excited for the future of Washington where they got five total first-round draft picks on their defensive line. It's kind of crazy. They drafted in 2019 and 2020, both back-to-back years. They drafted a defensive end in the first round. That's kind of terrifying. Um, and I also cannot think of a better quarterback for Ron Rivera than Alex Smith. And Alex Smith, he's a smart veteran leader. He protects the football, plays very safe. And uh, Alex Smith is starting to look like his old self, where Alex Smith, I mean, at Washington, if they want, they might get a few good years out of Alex Smith if they want to. And uh, again, that story with Ron Rivera beating cancer, Alex Smith overcoming this crazy leg injury, they've both been through adversity. I really love that. And then it's kind of fun to compare Dallas on one side, Washington on the other. They're kind of in similar places. I think they both had four and seven records going into this game. Three and seven, maybe four and seven, whatever. The records were identical going into this game on Thanksgiving. And uh, they both have brand new head coaches, you know, Mike McCarthy and Ron Rivera. Mike McCarthy in Dallas, Ron Rivera in Washington. But I'm skeptical that Dallas has the right guy. I look at Dallas and go, the decisions Mike McCarthy's making, what he's doing with what he has, it's not good. I don't. I, there's so many times where I go, they're talented. They've got better. They've got they've got good players. If I told you that Dallas, if I told you that Andy Dalton's teammates were Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb and Ezekiel Elliott and oh gosh, there's one other guy. Um, there's that other receiver I really like. I forget his name right now. I'm so I apologize. They got good players in Dallas, and it's not working because the coaching, the play calling's not very good. And I, on one hand, where I feel very very skeptical about Dallas, I feel really, really confident in Washington. Washington looks disciplined. They're well coached. And Dallas is the exactly the opposite. And that's why Washington this year has dominated Dallas. Washington is 2-0 against Dallas this year. They won 25-3 and now 41-16. What's the difference? Is it talent? Is there a big discrepancy between talent of Washington and Dallas? No. The difference between these two organizations right now is Washington has a really good coach Dallas appears not to. Coaching makes a massive difference. In fact, I would say that Dallas really has a more talented roster than Washington. But Washington, they're using their pieces very, very well. They're, they're working hard. Guys are in the right spot. They're not having missed assignments. They look disciplined and well-coached. And that is why Washington has dominated Dallas this year in 2020. All right, guys, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, uh, we'll do some Week 12 NFL predictions. Then we'll do Ask Zach to end the show. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Hope we're doing very, very well. Let's dive in. NFL Week 12 is here. And uh, we'll do some predictions. I feel very, very strongly about this week. There's not a single matchup I look at and go, hmm, I didn't. nothing made me pause. Nothing made me hesitate. I see a clear, definite winner in every single matchup this weekend. That's kind of cool to me. And we'll start number one is the Chiefs at the Buccaneers. Kansas City will win this game. Tampa's still a work in progress. Uh, They're not disciplined enough, in my opinion, to win a game against one of the NFL's top teams. And the Chiefs are really, really good. They are one of the NFL's top teams. And you're not going to beat Kansas City unless you have your act together 
Unfortunately, I don't think that the Buccaneers have their act together enough to beat a team like Kansas City. Now, number two, the Bears at the Packers. So the Packers are going to win this game. Uh, They're a better team all around. They got a better coach, a better quarterback, more talent. And the Bears are starting Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback. Remember, Nick Bowles is hurt, has a hip injury. He's, He's questionable. Probably he'll be suited up on the sideline. It's a good excuse to give Mitchell Trubisky another opportunity without optics looking bad. Uh, and I'll be honest, I have a, I've been very, people know, I've been very, very hard on Mitchell Trubisky over the years. Um, but I actually don't hate this move. I actually, I have an open mind. We'll see what Mitchell can do. Uh, he can run around. He can extend plays. It feels like something the Bears have needed the last couple of weeks. And so I look at this game and go, the Packers were going to win no matter who the Bears quarterback was. But what's fun is, how's Mitchell Trubisky going to do? Does he do good enough to get his job back? I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, But I'm really, really fascinated with how Mitchell Trubisky does this weekend against Green Bay. Uh, Titans at the Colts. The Titans are going to win this game. Uh, They're going to beat the Colts. The Titans running back, Derrick Henry, is going to have a really, really big day because the Colts are missing three starters on defense, including uh, their defensive tackle, DeForest Buckner, and their linebacker, Bobby Okariki. And uh, I believe it's going to be fun and competitive. But Tennessee is going to have a field day running the ball all over the field. The Colts are not going to be able to get Tennessee into third and long often enough to stop them and beat, beat them. So Tennessee is going to win this game. But I think it's fun. I, ho- I think and I hope it's fun and interesting because I liked watching the Colts against the Packers uh, last week. And uh, we'll see what happens. Panthers at the Vikings. So it's Teddy Bridgewater going back to Minnesota to play the team that ditched him in the building that would have been Teddy's home. So interesting to me. Uh, the Panthers are quite good, though. They deserve a lot of respect. Their defense played very, very well against the Lions last week. And uh, I-, I think all around I me, mean, the Panthers have had really good competitive game after game after game. They're building a culture there under their new head coach, Matt Rule. And uh, I feel good about Carolina. So the Vikings, if the Vikings want even a prayer to win this game, they have to avoid turnovers. That's what killed them against Dallas last week. And uh, the Panthers, in my opinion, even without Christian McCaffrey, the Panthers have just too many weapons on offense. They have DJ Moore, they have Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, Mike Davis. And so the Panthers are going to win this game and beat Minnesota. But I think it'll be interesting. And if nothing else, the storylines are just rich for a really, really fun time on Sunday. The 49ers and the Rams. Uh, The Rams are going to win. The Rams are playing great football. I was impressed with their last couple of games against Tampa and against Seattle, they're seven and three. They're rolling, and uh, the 49ers, they're four and six. They got a bunch of injuries. I think the Rams pull away. They win easily, and I really, really strongly like the Rams here against a depleted and really battered 49ers team. Now the Browns at the Jaguars. The Browns are going to win this game. The Browns will beat the Jaguars. The Jaguars have a number of players uh, on the injured reserve corner. C.J. Henderson, he's a rookie. Safety Josh Jones. Uh, edge rusher Josh Allen. He's another impact player at a, and a rookie. Uh, and the Jaguars are also starting Mike Glennon at quarterback. Ooh, boy. Uh, so Cleveland is likely going to have a field day. They'll play great. They'll do very, very well. Uh, Cleveland should win this game easily. And uh, watch for the Jaguars to make a play or two, though. I do, in spite of the fact that I think the Jaguars don't have a, a chance to win this game, they do fight really, really hard. They got a good middle linebacker, Joe Schobert. They got some impact 
interesting players. And so keep your eye on the Jaguars. They should be competitive and interesting and fight hard. But in the end, the Browns should win this game. And I think I expect a big day by the Browns quarterback, Baker Mayfield. I would be shocked if he didn't have a great day. Remember, he's been playing in cold weather, getting a lot of flack against him. He's going to the warm, nice weather of Jacksonville, Florida. And I think, man, I want to see guard, uh, I want to see Baker Mayfield spin the ball all over the field on Sat on Sunday and uh, do very, very well. Hear me almost slip up and say Gardner Mitchell in Saturday. I didn't. I caught it. Uh, but Baker should do very, very well in Jacksonville on Sunday. The Giants at the Bengals. Uh, here's the thing. The Giants have been playing very, very well. Their defense looks well coached and disciplined. And the Bengals star rookie quarterback, Joe Burrow, is out for the year. So in my opinion, Cincinnati has no shot to beat New York on Sunday. The Giants will win uh, a lot. Not more, much more needs to really be said. I mean, the Giants should, no matter what happens on offense, their defense is really good. The Bengals offense should be inept. And uh, we'll see what happens. The Raiders will beat the Falcons. The Raiders deserve a lot of respect. The Raiders are, I mean, they're playing really, really good football. They got good game plans. They got good players. They're healthy. And uh, I want to see if Henry Ruggs can do anything in this game. Uh, can he make an impact? Can he make a big catch or two for the Raiders? I want to see Henry Ruggs step up and have a big game. But Vegas should win this game very, very easily against Atlanta. Now, the Dolphins and the Jets. This game is a mismatch. I just don't know how. Uh, I don't see a path for the Jets to win this game. Uh, the Dolphins are a way better team, top to bottom. The Dolphins defense is going to make some big plays. I'm excited to watch them, actually. I uh, should see a, a pick six or a fumble recovery or some some big stuff's going to happen on defense for the Dolphins. And if Tua is going to play, great. Uh, I think it's good for him. He's coming off of a bad game against Denver. He needed a moment. He's getting hit a lot, holding on the ball too long. He needs a game to reset. That's where the Jets can be for Tua. And even if Tua doesn't play, he's questionable with a thumb injury. Even if Tua doesn't play, it's going to be fine. And here's another fun storyline is that Ryan Fitzpatrick once was the quarterback in New York for the Jets. So um, no matter what happens, I feel very, very good about uh, the Dolphins beating the Jets on Sunday. Cardinals and Patriots. Oh, my gosh. Should be fun. Uh, I have the Cardinals winning this game. They're a better team. Uh, and Bill Belichick's defense should make it interesting. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens uh, for the Patriots. Uh, and it is still Cam Newton against Kyler Murray. Should be fun. They're going to talk a lot about running quarterbacks and what that means. Remember, in my opinion, Cam Newton is a running quarterback. Kyler Murray is a quarterback who can run. He's a thrower who can run. It's a, it's a different skill set. Uh, Kyler doesn't need to run to win. Cam, I think, does. And uh, remember, the Cardinals also don't sleep on them. They run the ball way better than people realize. And not just with Kyler Murray. The Cardinals run the ball, period, very, very well with their running backs. And uh, I'm interested. You know, Bill Belichick always tries to take away one, like, your best thing from your team. Are they going to double-team DeAndre Hopkins? What do you, like, how do you defend Arizona? I don't think that the Patriots have the horses in the barn to compete with the uh, the Cardinals. So the Patriots, I think, have no shot to beat Arizona. Uh, and I think the Patriots are going to give up a lot of points. I think the Cardinals are going to have a really big day on offense. Kyler's going to go crazy. And uh, should be fun to watch on Sunday. Seahawks at the Eagles. Another mismatch, in my opinion. Uh, this is a very, very strong Seattle team. Playing against a very, very messy Philadelphia Eagles team. The Seahawks should win. Uh, I am curious if Carson Wentz, the Eagles quarterback, does well or not. We'll see. Uh, I, I want to say, you know, it's interesting. We've seen the progression 
of Seattle's defense. You know, last they played on Thursday against uh, Arizona. Now, I guess two Thursdays ago now. And uh, they had probably the defense for Seattle had probably the best game of the year for them against the Cardinals. And so I, I think we're going to see the continuation of the progression for Seattle's defense. Should be interesting. Uh, but Seattle should win this game pretty easily against Philadelphia. I mean, that's uh, let me take that back. It's never true. The Seattle Seahawks never make anything easy, but they should beat Philadelphia on Sunday. The Chargers and the Bills. This could be the game of the week. Keep your eye on this game. Uh, I have the Bills winning because they're a better team, and the Chargers always find a way to lose games and give away the ball and do all kinds of crazy stuff. I don't have a lot of confidence in the Chargers as an organization, but Justin Herbert versus Josh Allen should be a fun matchup. And so I've got the Bills winning, but Bills Chargers should be really, really fun and really, really interesting. Saints at Broncos. Uh, I believe the Saints win, but only because of their de- – I guess not only, but definitely because of their – I feel good about the Saints' defense here. The Saints' defense has been playing lights out, really good football. They shut down Tom Brady. They shut down um, Matt, uh, Matt Ryan. And it's hard to believe that a young quarterback like Drew Locke is going to be the guy that you know really has a lot of success against New Orleans' defense. I'd be shocked if that happened. I'm also curious to see how Taysom Hill, the backup for the Saints, who has now been pushed ahead to a starting role because of Drew Brees' injury. How does Taysom Hill do? Uh, the Broncos' defense, they got a really good head coach, Vic Fangio. Vic, Vic, I can't even talk. Vic Fangio, who's the defensive coordinator in Denver and also the head coach. Uh, he's a really good defensive mind. And so I want to see how he does and what he comes up with against Taysom Hill. So still, the Saints are going to beat the Broncos on Sunday. Remember, English is hard. How to screw up there. I don't mind. I leave them in. They're fun. Uh, The Ravens at the Steelers. Now, this game has been moved now not once but twice due to COVID where, gosh, on Thursday it was supposed to happen. Then it was supposed to happen on Monday. COVID keeps moving things. Now this game is going to happen on Tuesday, apparently. Uh, And I I think the NFL is going to leave this game. It's going to happen no matter what because the NFL doesn't want to concede anything. They don't want to move games. They don't want to have games be forfeited. Uh, and so if the game happens, the Steelers are going to win because the Ravens are basically playing with a bunch of practice squad players, Lamar Jackson, their quarterback has COVID. So the Steelers should beat the Ravens if this game happens. But I, I really want the NFL to add an extra week to the regular season. I want a good game. I don't want to watch this game between the Steelers starters and the Ravens practice squad. That's not interesting. That's not fun. Uh, you also can't forfeit because of the financial ramifications. So Again, I, I want to see this game moved. It's not going to be moved, in my opinion, though. I think the NFL is very stubborn. They don't want to move a game if they don't have to. Uh, you know, They don't want to miss a game, I guess. They're really, they have like a perfect record so far. Like We've kept everything good so far and contained. And the NFL does not, aggressively does not want to move a game to the end of the year if they don't have to. So if the Steelers can play this game and say, look, the Ravens, they lost because of COVID. And they, you know, part of this year is you got to beat COVID. The Ravens did not. Um, so I, I, I am asking them, please, to move the game to week 18, have an extra week in the regular season. They're not going to do that. And so if that if the game does happen, the Steelers are going to win on Tuesday. All right, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we'll do some Ask Zach questions. Should be really, really fun. Uh, my name is Zach Schaumler. We'll do a Thanksgiving-themed Ask Zach. My name is Zach Schaumler. I will be right all right, we are back. Hope you're doing very, very well. It is time for a Thanksgiving-themed 
Ask Zach. In case you don't know how it works, you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. You give a dollar a month. You can give more if you want to. Please do. It literally helps pay my rent. Um, but a dollar a month gives you access to submit questions on Patreon. Now, if you submit a question, I do not guarantee to read it on the show. Um, my only guarantee is to look at every single question with my eyeballs. I pick the top couple, try to read them every single show. And um, yeah, I want I also want to say just thank you so much. I really appreciate your guys' support. It means a lot to me. And um, I just, uh, I'm excited. I had something else I wanted to say, but I don't remember it. And if I do, I'll bring it back around. There's something else I wanted to say there, but I just, I totally forgot. I just, I love doing it. Uh, I appreciate your guys, I appreciate your guys' questions, comments, con- concerns, thoughts, or ideas. Uh, and I, I love hearing from you guys, the audience of the show. It's really fun for me. So Jason writes in, he says, what's your favorite Thanksgiving dish? Uh, for me, and this will be a short answer, really. It's the ham. It's the mashed potatoes, uh, some gravy on top. I just mix them all together. Ham is way better than turkey, by the way, in my opinion. Uh, you know, my best friend's mom. I go to their Thanksgiving every single year. Uh, my family's kind of broken and messy. And so I, I just I kind of adopted myself into their family every single holiday. I go there. Uh, Christmas morning, I'll be there for breakfast. I mean, I really am close to my best friend's family. And, I mean, they really welcome me. It's really great. She's an amazing cook, his mom. And uh, I, I've always, ever since meeting her, having her ham, I realized, oh, ham is way better. Than, it's just a better meat than turkey. It's juicier. It's better. It tastes really good with mashed potatoes on top. Her mashed potatoes are amazing. Um, so shout out to her and shout out to ham with mashed potatoes and gravy. Just all, it's like you just get a bowl and you just glop it all together and just mix it up and cut it together. It's like, oh, it's so dang good. I love it so much. Uh, and then a little shout out to, I guess, candied yams. That's the yams. They're, they're orange. Uh, with um, marshmallows on top, melted on top. Oh, uh, it's real. I'm there for the marshmallows. The marshmallow, the the yams are a vehicle for the sweetness of the marshmallows. But it's it's really good. I love it so much. Uh, Joe writes in, says Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you, Joe. Now we're over the halfway point. So which rookie has disappointed you the most so far this year? Uh, two guys come to mind, Joe. When you ask me which rookie has disappointed me the most, it's. Number one, Henry Ruggs, actually, uh, the receiver for the Raiders. He only has 14 catches, 256 yards, one touchdown. Uh, It's been a slow start. I get it. He was hurt. He missed two games. Um, But, I mean, he just, Henry Ruggs hasn't been. Now, they've they've really liked what they've gotten from him at at times where the way the Raiders have used Henry Ruggs is they run play action, like a hard play action fake. Derek Carr flips around, looks at the field. And you'll see Henry Ruggs just streaking down the field. And really, it feels like the only thing they've run with Henry Ruggs all year is vertical routes. They're like, Henry, run past everybody. Go get deep, and we'll try to hit you. Uh, and I just, I wish they'd hit more of them. I really want to see more production from Henry Ruggs. And uh, we'll see if, they, you know, things change as time goes on. I also want to see if the Raiders can expand his route tree. I mean, right now, again, they're just using him on play action, running him vertically. We haven't seen a lot of nuance with Henry Ruggs. I want to see if that will change as time goes on in Vegas. But it might be just that with a limited offseason, he's a rookie, whatever. They're trying to just get him in, get you know, use whatever skill set they can. I don't know. Uh, but I've been a little bit – disappointed is the wrong word. But I, I had higher hopes for Henry Ruggs early on in the year. And he's been just kind of mildly productive rather than a big home run star making play after play after play. Now, another guy that comes to mind is Andrew Thomas, the Giants left tackle. He was the number four overall pick. He's had, I mean, his coach who coached him leading up to the draft came out and said there's all kinds of problems going on in New York. Um, he's making mistakes he never made in college. 
And Andrew Thomas has been really, really bad. I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if it's coaching, if it's he's I, I don't know what's happening, but Andrew Thomas appears to have taken a step backward from college, which is shocking and weird. So Andrew Thomas and Henry Ruggs are the two most disappointing rookies in my mind so far this year. John writes in, John says, if you could get Joe Burrow out of the Bengals, who would you want to trade for him? So who would I want to trade for Joe Burrow? So I would want Joe Burrow to go somewhere where there's a need. First, I wouldn't want him to go to like Seattle where they don't need Joe Burrow. I'd want Joe Burrow to go somewhere where there's a need long-term at the quarterback position, whether it's, and that could either mean sitting behind a guy like, I mean, Drew Brees would be awesome. If, if Joe Burrow could get traded to New Orleans, you let him sit for a year behind you know Drew Brees, bam, he's the guy. He's back in the state, Louisiana, where he killed it in college, and he's dominating. That'd be really fun, really exciting, really interesting. Um, where else would I want to see Joe Burrow go? I think of the Panthers. I think of the 49ers. I think of the Patriots. Uh, Washington would be cool. Those are all options I would love to see Joe Burrow quarterbacking for. Um, Carolina or the 49ers, they're probably the two best spots for him. I I think every quarterback that goes to Carolina or the 49ers, they're going to have a great uh, set of ownership and uh, support and players and great coaching. And I want to coach, I want a quarterback to have great coaching. Kyle Shanahan, Joe Brady, Matt Rule, those guys are going to take care of quarterbacks. I want to see. I'd love to see, like my dream scenario, Joe Burrow gets traded to Carolina or the 49ers and just kills it and it's dominating. Um, the Patriots would be good too. But even even in my dream hypothetical, I don't know why the Bengals would trade Joe Burrow to the Patriots, another AFC team where they would play him in the playoffs. It makes no sense. They wouldn't do that. Um, and uh, Washington, I, I love Ron Rivera. And in Washington, Joe Burrow would have hope of winning. But I also hate the owner, Dan Snyder. And so my even in my wildest dreams, I would still want to protect Joe Burrow from Daniel Snyder, the owner of the Washington team. And so I just, uh, yeah, stay away from that. Uh, Sterling writes in, I, I love Sterling's question. He goes, would a turkey make a good football? He said, I mean, it's not very aerodynamic and it is pretty slippery, but it could be playable. Thoughts? Um, it was worth reading simply because it's funny to me. Just the image of playing football with a turkey. And I'm imagining an uncooked turkey, like those, the raw one, you take you take the wrapping off and it's just this raw turkey. You're like, let's play football. Ah. And I, I just imagine like, I mean, first of all, try to throw a turkey. You, How far can a human being, because you can't do it with one arm like a football or a baseball. You'd have to like underarm chuck it, like maybe kind of like a rugby ball actually. Um, so trying to throw a turkey would be quite interesting. And I mean, there's no accuracy there. Like, Right, 80, and you're like you're looking around, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna throw a slant. Just hucks it like a like a bowling ball. I mean, that's not effective at all. So, you're not throwing the ball very much with a turkey if you're having a turkey as a football, which is a weird hypothetical anyway. But whatever. And then just imagine, what if the turkey? You, you have all kinds of existential problems. Like, what if the turkey? You're playing football, you're running with the ball, and a guy who tries to rip the ball out of your hands, and part of the turkey rips off. So I, I'm stuck there. I I try to tackle you. I'm holding a turkey leg. You're holding the rest of the turkey. Who has the ball? Is it a fumble? Do we both have the ball? I don't know how that works. It's quite interesting to me. So the ramifications of having a turkey that you're using to play football with is quite stupid, <laughs> but also quite fun to think about. So I had a good time with that. Sterling, thank you for the question. Uh, quite interesting for me. Caleb writes in, says, I wish you and your family a happy Thanksgiving, Zach. The holidays are now in full swing, and with that comes holiday music 
What songs will be on your playlist? And when do you think is the best time to begin playing holiday music? For me, it's to start after Thanksgiving dinner. Um, music. I, I personally, I love Michael Bublé. That Christmas album's awesome. It's just fun. It's a good arrangement. It feels like jazz. Uh, it's pleasant in the background. I'm never going to listen to it like full black. Like John Bellion, I listen with my headphones intently. Like it's the only thing I listen to. I'm never going to listen to Michael Bublé Christmas like that. It's just kind of background noise. But nonetheless, it is fun. And I actually bought one of my, uh, I bought my girlfriend, one of my girlfriends. I bought my girlfriend one of those, um, you know, my, my girlfriend Elizabeth. I bought her one of those Bose speakers that kind of looks like a long pill. Kind of just like shaped like, like a long, kind of almost like a football actually. You could throw it pretty far actually if you wanted to. Um, it was 50% off at Costco and, uh, I bought her one of those and, uh, I mean, first of all, it's great. It's loud. It's awesome. Uh, and I wanted it for her so she could play Christmas music as soon as possible. Um, cause she loves that stuff. And so will I ever pick the Christmas music? No way. Uh, I got her a setup so she could play her own Christmas music that makes her happy. So really if you want to ask, ask her that, ask her that question. I don't know. Uh, if I had my choice, I'd play Michael Blue Blay Christmas music, but I don't. I'm never in. I'm never anywhere other than my office anyway. Like that's in the kitchen. I'm in the office. I never even interact with the music area or anything else other than this office room. So I don't know. I just uh, it's my any any story or anything I had to say about Christmas music. Caleb, you got it all out of me. I got nothing left to say. Uh, Michael Bublé, Christmas music. It's a uh, it's kind of like Jingle Bells is kind of weird because it's like, hey, ladies. And I'm like, I'm not a lady, but I do like this song. Like it's kind of is it? I don't know, but it works. I really like the. Uh, dashing through the halls, like the the Michael Bublé twang works for me. I like it. Uh, Naomi writes in. He or she, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say we have a woman writing in. I like the thought of that. Makes me feel good. Like oh, we got a a wide audience with a, a full a spectrum of genders represented. Uh, spec- yeah. There, that's a can of worms. I'm not gonna dive into. Um, Naomi writes and says, "Happy Thanksgiving." I am very grateful for this podcast. It certainly made 2020 more bearable. What is your favorite Thanksgiving or Christmas tradition? What has been your favorite NFL game you watched so far this year? Uh, favorite tradition? Probably just honestly, I, I kind of hate presents. Like I, I'm getting better at them, especially now that I have like my own like career and uh, a little bit of money to spend. Like I'm, I'm getting better gifts probably than I've ever gotten before. Um, but I, presents are a pain in the butt. I, like I. Uh, I've been I've been buying buying presents since February because I was like I have to if I don't pay extreme attention and take detailed notes like anytime I hear anybody mention anything I'm like ooh better write it down buy it for them like later um, so presents are hard I kind of hate that I like just getting together with the family I love um, again I, I've been kind of adopted into my best friend's family I lived with them actually for a while after my brother died when I was in college uh, and actually I did a lot of the like the, the a lot of the film analysis videos I did, I did them in their basement, actually. Like, you can see that whole... There was a set behind me at one point with, like, a brown thing uh, and a lamp and, like, a film spool. That was in their basement. I'm really close to their family. Uh, and I... That's my favorite tradition is going to hang out with them and their extended family and be a part of... The family vibe makes me feel really good. Now, what's my favorite game so far of the NFL season? Uh, I had a hard time with this one, actually. I came up with a couple ones, that noteworthy ones, um, but you know, so I guess Tua versus Justin Herbert was really fun. I enjoyed that game. I also predicted it exactly as it went. Uh, the Browns Bengals had a really good game. The battle of Ohio was really fun. Uh, Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield, some interesting stuff happened in there. Um, 
The Bills Cardinals was amazing. The the Hale Murray, uh, you know that that long throw to end the game, great catch by DeAndre DeAndre Hopkins was awesome. But I think if I had to pick my favorite game of the year so far in 2020, to me it's the Raiders beating Kansas City. I mean, I really I was beating on that drum for a while, saying this could happen, this could happen, this could happen. Here's how it would happen. And as I was watching that game, I took so many notes. I really it. It brought me alive. Like I have so much to say about this. When I watch a game and I feel like I have a lot to say, it makes me feel really good inside. Like, oh, I've got, you know what I mean? I, there are a couple games where, like, I, even looking back at my Thanksgiving, like, did I really talk about the game? I talked about uh, Deshaun Watson and the Lions. I didn't really break down the game. The game wasn't that interesting. It's the ramifications of the game I liked. Uh, that game, I was like, I have so much to say about what happened in this game. You know, fourth down, how they did it, who ran the ball, what happened, who made plays. Like, that was one of those games where I'm like, this game itself, not the ramifications, not what's happening in the game, not the people in the game. What happened, all 60 minutes of the game were interesting, and it wasn't the outside factors. It was what happened on the field. Um, So the Raiders-Kansas City was my favorite game of the year, probably by far. Uh, People think I hate Kansas City. I don't care. In fact, I also get accused of being a Patriots fan. If anything, you could say I'm a Bill Belichick fan, but if Bill Belichick left the Patriots tomorrow, I wouldn't care about the Patriots at all. I care about Bill Belichick. And so I, anytime people accuse me of rooting for a team, you're wrong. I root for people, not organizations. I don't care about the organization. I care about the person running it or the person playing quarterback or the receiver or the running back or the coach. I care about people, not about organizations, if that makes any sense at all. Um... Another question we have today is from Darcy. Ah, this will be fun. Actually, no, I think we have another one first. Uh, ah, Zach, another Zach writes in. Zach says, happy Thanksgiving. Would you ever do a film analysis of Tim Tebow? And Zach spells it with an H. I don't have an H in my name. We're not the same person. <laughs> um, yeah, I would do a film analysis of Tim Tebow. I'm planning one. Um, that's all I'm going to say. We'll have fun with that down the road. We'll talk about Tim Tebow at some point uh, during the offseason. Darcy writes in, says, Hi, Zach. Love the show. SOS is my absolute favorite podcast. What are some of your favorite NFL podcasts to listen to? Um, I don't listen to any any other sports podcasts at all. Uh, I only I don't even listen to mine, really. I mean, I listen to I, I, rec- I edit it, so I hear it a lot, cause I'm, and I write it, and I'm I heavily, like, I already know what I say during the show because I'm the one doing the show, so I don't need to listen to my show, and I don't need to justify why I don't listen to my show. Like, that makes sense. Um, There are two podcasts I listen to. I guess really three because I I do listen to Joe Rogan. I mean, doesn't everybody at some point listen to a random Joe Rogan podcast? I mean, I there there are just guest occasion where I go, I mean, that's, I, I like Joe Rogan. Not all his guests are interesting, but I pick and choose the good guests, and I listen to the good guests when I want to or when I have a long drive or a walk or I mean, I don't, I don't have a lot of time to listen to podcasts either, which is another problem in my life. I'm not doing a lot of stuff. Most of the time, I'm just sitting here in the office watching football, taking notes. I mean, that's literally, that's 90% of my life, it feels like. I mean, I I don't do a lot of stuff other than that. Um, the two podcasts I listen to, uh, like when I do laundry or I'm cleaning, I've, I've pet mice, so I clean their cage and I listen to this show. Um, I listen to Sacred Symbols, which is a video game podcast done by a guy named... Colin Moriarty, who I adore. I love Colin. He's an introvert. He's a nerd. He's, I, I just, I think we're, I think actually we're probably very similar uh, as human beings. And I, I really appreciate his kind of curmudgeon nature towards the world. 
Um, and then I also listen to another show that Colin does called Knockback, which is a retro and nostalgia podcast. Um, so I avoid all other sports media. I don't listen to sports media. I read articles because that's how I get my news. Is I'll read like, like for example, this morning Matt Patricia got fired. I read the article breaking the news. Um, but I react to news. I don't want to hear other people's opinions. I want to share my opinion. Um, and it's kind of by avoiding other voices in the sports media, it's really helped me find my own voice. Like, who am I as a person? What do I have to say? Forget that opinion or that opinion. Um, and I don't, I, I just care. I, there's so many things going on in the world. I don't worry about anybody else other than what I have to say. And it's really helped me uh, as a creator. Um, and then also when I'm not working, I mean, again, I spend, geez, I, I work like 15 hour days. People don't realize how much goes on behind the scenes. My girlfriend certainly does. She's really frustrated right now. I have to go fix my washing machine. Uh, and I, I've been putting it off for days cause I've been working and working and working. And I, um, I work all the time and I love my job, but I also, when I'm not working, I don't want to listen to more sports. Does that make sense? Like I sit at my desk all day. I'm like, I don't want to hear anybody else talk about sports. I want to hear about video games or movies or random stuff about the woods with Joe Rogan. Um, and so whenever I'm doing other stuff other than work, I want to change the subject in my head and think about other things. And, uh, and that's kind of by doing that, it actually keeps me way more engaged in sports because I go, Oh, I, I'm actually, I'm when I'm not, when I'm, I guess distance away from the thing you do all the time helps you remember why you love it. That distance occasion when I take a day off or I, uh, or take a couple hours and just, I'm away from sports and listen to video game podcasts or playing a game or going for a walk. I mean, that time away from sports helps keep me alive and keep that, my love for it going. Uh, I think if I, all I did, if all I did all the time constantly was whether making a sports podcast or listening to sports content or this or that, it would probably burn me out. And so I've been trying to find that balance and, uh, for me, that balance starts with just ignoring every other sports media person in the entire world. I don't care. I don't need your opinion. I have my opinion. I don't need yours. And uh, I mean, I, there's something to be said for listening to other people and they have a good idea. And I, I try to do that if I get messages from people. Um, but I, I also I feel like I'm pretty insular from the rest of the sports media world. I mean, there, I have a lot of friends that are athletes. We'll put it this way. A lot of my friends in the sports world are people playing the game or coaching the game or working as a scout or working in a front office. But I'm not really friends of people in the media. I don't really, I, I feel like from when it comes to just strictly the media, I'm an outsider. I mean, big shows occasionally ask me to be on. I usually say no. Um, and I, I just don't really want to, I don't need to work with other people in the sports media. I'm happy doing my own thing. And I, 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 I see someday a, a show where I have guests on that are athletes but even my friends that are athletes, I don't really want to have them on the show because I think they can only hurt themselves. I mean, I don't, I don't see if you're if you're a great player doing well, what's the benefit? For the most part, I go uh, unless you're a high pro, like if you're the top of the top, you can get away with saying whatever you want. Most people can't, and I don't really want to have people on to say gotcha questions and try to corner them or whatever. I, I don't know. I'm I'm happy doing my own thing, and that's my whole take on all. I'm rambling now, but uh, Darcy, thank you for the question. Um, the next question is from, oh, Colin, 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 uh, Colin is my, and this actually reminds me, I need, I owe Colin a favor. He asked me for a favor and I, I owe it to him. Uh, cause I, I like him. He's awesome. Uh, if you play division three football, please send me a message. I want to hear from you and hear, um, 
DM me on Instagram. Start the message with, I play Division Three football. Then get in touch with me. We'll talk behind the scenes. I got a, I got, I need, I need your feedback on football uh, for the sake of Colin. Colin writes in, and Colin, by the way, he was my, we'll, we'll explain Colin in a minute. Colin writes in and says, four questions. Number one, what's your favorite Thanksgiving dish? I already answered that one. Number two, favorite college class. Number three, I'm currently watching my go-to movie when I'm feeling a bit down. What's your go-to movie that helps pick you up? Number four, what's one thing that separates a good offensive lineman from an average offensive lineman? As a Seahawks fan, I've seen good and bad O-line play, and I know good versus bad O-line play when I see it, but I couldn't specifically tell you why it's better or worse. How much is footwork part of the elite O-line play? Strength, technique, communication, love the pod. So Colin, uh, he would say he was my TA in college. Uh, I always considered Colin a professor. I think he is a professor now. In fact, he is definitely a professor now. Um, he, he got, he's awesome. One of my favorite people. Uh, he taught one of my classes occasionally. I took a sports media class. Colin was the TA. And when my professor was out, he covered the class. Um, and I, I always loved when Colin did that. In fact, I actually, between you and everybody listening to the whole world, uh, I hated the professor, the regular professor for that class. I thought that, uh, he always called strong opinion sports, my stupid blog word for word said that to me. And I'm like, I, you don't respect what I do. Screw you, man. I, I really am happy with what I do. And it, it's clearly no longer just a stupid blog, so I hated that guy. He also had this stupid, uh, what do you call it, a attendance policy where he'd do these really boring, long lectures, then post all the information you needed necessary online, and I realized, why am I going to class? I can skip the class. I can read the stuff online. I aced all his quizzes, and at the end of the day, I had 100%. I killed like his class. I was so good in his class, but I failed the attendance part, which I was like, you didn't make it ever – the only reason I ever needed to go to class is because you said I had to rather than because there was valuable, helpful information in the class. So I just thought he was a bad professor. I thought he was kind of lazy. I thought he, him and I just, I hated that guy. We just did not work at all. Uh, and so anytime Colin filled in, oh, I was so glad to hear Colin on the show on uh, doing the, the class. It made me so happy. I really loved when he uh, would fill in as a uh, professor occasionally. It made me very, very happy. That's a, a gigantic tangent. Didn't need to say any of that. Um, my favorite class, Colin, unfortunately, my favorite class was not your class. Uh, it was actually astronomy. Uh, astronomy is the coolest class I've ever taken. Had a great professor. Didn't need a TA to fill in to make it great. Uh, Colin, you made it great. I loved you. Uh, but, I mean, astronomy is such an interesting topic. I, I love that so much. And, uh, yeah, astronomy. It's my favorite class I've ever taken in college in anything. That or AP Environmental Science, my senior year of high school, uh, are the two classes, college or high school, that I just, I loved him so much. Um, favorite pick-me-up movie? Star Trek, 2009 Star Trek uh, with Chris Pine as Captain Kirk. It's my favorite movie of all time. Uh, I I should do a, I'm starting a movie podcast in February, and uh, that's one of the movies I got to cover first, is why I love that movie and breakdown specifically. I mean, I've watched it. I'm not kidding or exaggerating. I literally one time in college watched it three times in one day because I was taking notes and so into it. And I kept just previously taking notes, trying to understand why I loved it so much. And so um, amazing movie. That's my picking up movie is 2009 Star Trek. Uh, also, if you need to pick me up, listen to the Formula One music. Like the F1 music. Look it up on YouTube. It's oh, my God. It's phenomenal. That, that'll that pick you up in a heartbeat. Um, now, Colin, what about great offensive line play? So to be a good offensive lineman, you need 
Yes, good footwork and good technique. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but also half the battle is being smart. Half the battle is having you know good enough communication to understand and know your assignment. People don't understand what goes on behind the scenes on, the, on an offensive line. Usually you call it a middle linebacker, which kind of sets the count from the rest. Once you know your count point, you count out from the middle often, or it's a zone. I'm not explaining this well at all. Um, I guess the best, simplest way to put it is that there's a lot of detailed nuance in who has what assignment, knowing when, if a, if a defense stunts, meaning the defense alignment switch and cross each other, when to switch, when to stay with your guy, uh, zone versus man. You have a lot. It's just it's very complicated, but the, the key to being a good offensive lineman is you always, always need to know your assignment. You can be big, you can be fast, you can be physical, but if you don't know your assignment, it doesn't matter. And so communicating your assignment and then knowing it when it's communicated to you is so huge. And there are so many missed assignments on the offensive line. That's the biggest thing. And it makes me wonder, actually, Andrew Thomas is the left tackle for the Giants, really struggling. Is he just struggling with communication and knowing his assignment? Because I bet in college it was like you're one-on-one with this guy every single time. It's possible that in the NFL he's just got more on his plate than he's ever had before. And so the communication, the... The mental side of the game. An offensive lineman is very, very smart. They're not just big dudes. They're incredibly intelligent. They have to know their assignment. That's a huge thing. Nobody talks about I think nobody really understands about the offensive line. And that is what makes a good offensive lineman. Is they're, they're big, they're fast, whatever. But they also have to be very, very smart to always know their assignment. Thomas writes in, final question of the day. He says, what is your favorite snack? Um... So a lot of good snacks come to mind. I think of goldfish crackers. I think of snap peas, uh, salt and vinegar chips. Cookies are really good. There's like a – you can get ones at, at – I, I guess Winco is where I, I go for cookies. Um, you can get like – for two bucks, you can get the ones you – you put them on the thing. They're already pre-wrapped or pre uh, – they're little balls basically. You just put them on the, the oven, put them in for 10 minutes. They come out. They're all gooey. Oh, I love that. Um, cheese and crackers is an underrated snack. People forget about grapes. They're really, really good. Uh, but my personal favorite snack, French fries are good too, by the way. French fries. Oh, man. Oh, love them. Uh, they make me fat. <laughs> Got to stay away from them. Uh, my favorite snack right now in the world is Chex Mix. Uh, you can get a f- two-pound bag for $5 at Costco. And every time I hold up the bag, I, I, I literally I look at it this morning to make sure it's actually two pounds. It really is. Um, and I feel like I'm scanning... I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm scamming somehow Costco. Like, I'm getting a deal I shouldn't be getting. Every time I buy it for $5, I'm like, how is this allowed or possible? Because, I mean, the things you get, you can get, like, I mean, the, the gas station ones are so marked up. So when you get a wholesale at Costco, I mean, Chex Mix is really, really cheap, and it's so good. And you put it in, like, a little cup, and you just you drink it because it's just shovel as much in your mouth as you can. Uh, and I, I also, I hate touching stuff with my hands because I'm always... I'm usually at my desk. If I'm not at my desk, I'm holding a controller or writing notes, watching something. I'm always using my hands for something, and I don't want crumbly crumbs on my hands. I like my hands to be clean and ready to work and do stuff. So um, you put Chex Mix in a, a plastic cup that's malleable so you can squeeze it together a little bit to funnel more into your mouth, and then you just go to town. And Chex Mix, man, um, really, really underrated, underappreciated snack. And again, at Costco, it's $5 for a two-pound bag. It's an unbelievable deal, and uh, I, I cannot recommend Chex Mix enough. They're a phenomenal, phenomenal snack. Guys, that's all I have. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I love you. Uh, my mouth is 
I just need to relax. I'm, I'm like tired and my mouth is dead. Uh, it, it ha- when you talk for, it's been an hour and 20 something minutes. My mouth is dead. It's just what happens when you talk this long in a row. Um, love you guys. I appreciate you. I hope you have a great day. But um, bam, we are done.